II for sureness that HIV AIDS is not only a physiological or pathological disorder, it has more into it. So that's it. And when we, we speak repeatedly these days, we are speaking about transformational development, transformation, transformational change. And the, the, the Greek word for transformation, as I wrote it here, is metamorpheo, which, is, uh, which, which indicates solid change, like as if, as if, you know, a butterfly is emerging from a caterpillar, which is uh, very interesting, like two entirely seemingly distinct things, but one emerging from the other. That's what transformation means, like, like changing things from inside out, upside down. Uh, I have already spoken about uh, HIV, and, but what are, who are these women whom I am going to speak about? These are like, these are their mothers, and these are, these are in most cases, breadwinners of the families with whom we are working. <coughs> and these are, are outcast women, divorced and hopeless. Uh, and, and lots of other miseries. These are, these are the women which I'm going to speak about and how to bring about this, this transformation. Uh, just to give you some simple figures, as of uh, 2011, which, is, which I got from UNAIDS, the reason I took the 2011 uh, data was it was, it is because it was in 2011 that we have started uh, the program there. Uh, in Ethiopia, the estimated number of people living with HIV AIDS, as far as data is concerned, uh, was about 790,000, but uh, some, some resources put it as, as much as 1.5 million. Uh, and of these, adults uh, are uh, about 1 point, uh, the, the prevalence rate among the adults is 1.4. And women, our target here, are about 390,000. These are adult women. Uh, and children, 180,000. And these are, these are the things. When it comes to orphans, it's near to 1 million. This is a UNAIDS data, but uh, it's, it's, we, we know the fact that it's even more than this number. It's, it's more than this number. So who is this woman? Who is this woman? The HIV AIDS positive woman. I want us to think about her not as women, but as women, just because the, the problem is knocking each, each one's doors. So we are addressing not women collectively, but we are trying to address the needs of every individual in, in the area as, as the, the needs differ from person to person. And she's a single person. She is one. She is not women. In fact, normally among, among the development industry, uh, we, we, we have one, uh, one attitude or one inclination to collectively address those people whom we serve. But both, to me, both as Christian and also as an academician, cases are single. You know, you remember what Jesus said when he told his disciples that if a certain person had 
100 sheep and 99 are still with him, but one is lost and he leaves 99 and, and goes to find one. So she is one. And this is a lady who is struggling with all her problems. This is a lady who is striving to feed her children, to send them to school. And in this case, she is even pregnant and, and hopeless. So usually she's among the poorest of the poor. Like most, most of our, our uh, beneficiaries or most of these people who are included in our program uh, are really were in a very, very bad situation when it comes to uh, uh, economy, <laughs> almost all of them in fact. Like quite a good portion of them were sleeping on the streets and they were beggars and still have other children in addition to what they had in their wombs. Uh, in Ethiopia, the, the pregnant, number of pregnant women comprises about 64% of adults living with HIV. So it's a huge number. Uh, and in most cases, they have contracted when we do case studies and when we, we work our data, on our data, in most cases, they have contracted the virus due to poverty, like they either go to commercial sex work or they get it from their husbands and be before their marriage they didn't have uh, this HIV screening. Because the reason I'm, I'm speaking this is not only out of emotion but out of data. And when you see the prevalence rate, uh, new, new infections, <laughs> the number of men who are transmitting it are twice, like they triple the number of women. So in, this makes them, again, victims. So they, some of them are raped, some of them have contracted it while they lived in, in, on the streets and, and things like that. There are really some, some stories. And <laughs> just to make things worse, in addition to the, the physical problems they already have, they are emotionally down because they are outcasted by the, the society as if they, they created the, the, the problem. And due to that, they are exposed due to poor living conditions. They are exposed to other diseases and, and addictions and things like that. So, I mean, things are complicated. Some of them called this home. Uh, uh, this, this picture I took it just a year ago on my first field visit as I started working with Life in Abundance. And I, <laughs> I went in, in, inside, I don't know, can we call it house or what? Inside this thing. And it was a rainy season, as, as you can see people from behind wearing their hood. And it, it was not only outside which was raining, it was also inside this house or this thing. And some people called this home and, and they were, the, like quite a good portion of beneficiaries used to live here. When it comes to HIV uh, positive pregnant women, uh, uh, 
in 2011, the uh, estimated number of pregnant women in need of the PMTCT was 42,936. This is according to the HIV AIDS uh, uh, Prevention and Control Unit of the, the, the country. This is the official data. And in, in our program, there are about 950 women uh, who are uh, registered with LA's PMTCT program. Uh, these are, some of them are commercial sex workers, and others are very young mothers and street girls, uh, and single mothers whose husbands left them, or who, who never had a husband to begin with, and the, the husbands leave them because uh, they are HIV AIDS positive, HIV positive, and so they leave them, and... <laughs> In fact, by leaving them, they, 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 they again take the virus to other women and making them victims as well, and all other things. And one common thing they share is all of them were poor. They had no one to support them in, in whatever way. In whatever way. It's not only about sharing the, them economic resources or some other resources, emotionally and, and, and socially and other things. Most of these ladies are living at the peripheries of the town, not even in the town, because they are afraid that if people learn about their status, then again, they, they can't even beg on the streets. So uh, this is what to, to, to be an HIV AIDS, HIV positive pregnant woman. How do we do it? And, and, and it's like, we started our program with mobilizing and training the church. Uh, and it's not only the church, because of the legal environment in Ethiopia, we also uh, involve the community at large, whether they are Christians or not. But we, we, we start with knowledgeable people who can influence their society, their neighbors, and, and we give them training then we will send them back to the society, but we always make sure that the church is there. And we also pray. You, you, you may think that, okay, what, what, what's new with prayer, but for us in LA, prayer is really an integral part of our work. You, you, you remember uh, what's written in the book of uh, Daniel. It says that uh, when, when he knew that the king came up with this new law prohibiting everyone not to pray, Daniel went to his home and it says that as it was his custom, he knelt down and prayed. I mean, it, it was his custom. And in, in LA, we, we had this custom and we, we, we really trust the Lord. Uh, and some of the things we know that, like taking 950 uh, women into the program out of uh, 50,000 is just like, the, it's, it's just the tip of an iceberg, but w w we pray, and it, it really is very important. And by the way, when these this ladies learn that there is someone praying for them, you don't know their emotions. They are really happy. They, they, they feel that they are important to be prayed about. It's not, it's not about them coming to, to know Christ or not we, as much as we want that, 
but we also want them to, to feel that they are loved, they are accepted, and, and someone is caring enough for them to pray. And it, it really is a big deal. And we also train these volunteers re repeatedly. And when we send them back to the, the community, the first thing they do is they identify pregnant women, irrespective of their status, their zero status. And we, they, they, they encourage them to visit the, pro, the project or they inform the project staff to visit the ladies. Because uh, in the first place in, in Ethiopia, in, in most cases now, like always, in, in, in the traditional areas, you don't, you don't tell to everybody that, oh, I'm pregnant, and, and there, there, there is no baby shower. And normally people, even, even if they are married, they hide it to the, to the maximum point they know that they can. Am I right? I don't know the case in Kenya. But in, 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 like, if you live in the cities, when, when my wife was pregnant, our first uh, son... Uh, everybody was congratulating us, like, I think we are turning to be a kind of Westerners there, but in the rural areas, like, people don't tell you, like, that a lady, she, she, she doesn't tell you. It, it, it itself will tell you when she's about on, on the third trimester or something like that. So it's, it's not an easy job to, to look for this pregnant woman. That's why I'm telling you this. And even after finding that, just befriending them and encouraging them to, to check their status for VCT, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's not an easy job. The, the screening is one of the, the challenging things. So when, we learn, when they learn their status, especially if they qualify to be included into the program, then they will be registered into, into uh, LIS program, and they start immediately. They start counseling program. This counseling program is uh, being done by trained counselors. Uh, by the way, all of uh, our project staff are, uh, except one, all of them are uh, health professionals, so they know what they are doing. And also, they, in addition to that, they have taken a special counseling skill training for HIV/AIDS. So they start to counsel them and, and really to, to work on them and also encourage them when they think that they are ready to, to, to again to, to take the testing, they will, they will send them to that. The other thing we do is we start collaborating with uh, existing health structures, be it the government or private, and the church project, church community, and, and health institutions. These are the four major stakeholders, apart from the beneficiaries themselves. Usually, the way we, we approach this, because our target is always bringing hope back to these this women, to each individual woman. That's why we focus on individual ladies. Uh, during our counseling sessions, you, you'll see, I'll show you lately, uh, later some pictures. We have both group counseling as well as uh, uh, individual counseling sessions. So with the community mobilization, we work with churches and we start home visits. And again, this is, you know, home visits, you, you may 
think of a very, at least if somebody is very poor, then he or she may have a door to knock. For, for some, home visit is their begging spot. You just go there and sit uh, by the side of the pedestrian, and, and then that's it. That's the home visit. Later alone for the ladies, at points, it's humiliating for the social workers. But you have to do it if you are aiming at That's what Jesus did, right? If we say that we are following Jesus' model, we have no other option. Usually, like, people ask me uh, how I join. They, they ask me, where are you working? I, have never, I haven't seen you lately, especially my, my colleagues at the university, because my last uh, job was I, I was a vice president of university, and it was from there that I transited to LA. And when I told them that I, I am in this organization, LA, oh, where is that? Is that like World Vision? Well, it's not like World Vision. We are very few, and we work on this. And what's wrong with you? Why do I mean? What are you doing there? And imagine, can you imagine people asking Jesus, like, when, when they ask Jesus, you know, Jesus, I haven't seen you lately in heaven, and where are you? Well, I'm in this place called Galilee. I mean, what, what's wrong with you? What are you doing in Galilee? I mean, you know, sometimes th this is a challenge of development work, and, but if we are aiming at transformational development, there is no shortcut. That's the issue. There is no shortcut. We have to do it. And, and these people are not only beneficiaries, they are, they are friends. They are, and some of our staff members are probably the only friends they have. It's them that they, they really pour out their secrets and their burdens. And sometimes can you imagine that they simply come to the office and, and tell you to pray for them? Yeah, I, I saw this during one of my visits because this is a, a different site than where I'm sitting. It's a, a couple of hours drive from, from my office. But I, I, I saw these people, how, how it's changed. And, and th that's why like, home visits are very, very special elements. And during your visit, and the other thing we do is for those who can come to the coffee ceremony, coffee cer probably you know that now, one of, uh, one of uh, the things that Ethiopia is known about is its coffee. And we have this traditional coffee ceremony where ladies of the same neighborhood call each other and have coffee during, uh, at some point in the day. And this is a routine that they do, especially in the rural areas. And we use that as an opportunity to... to, to befriend these ladies and to be with them. And we, we, we simply have coffee. Then we start with the primary health education, the VCT for pregnant women, and ongoing counseling and prayer always and always. It, it's like that. And in some cases, we had to do referrals to, because we don't have clinical service there. It's an it's a integrated HIV prevention program and rehabilitation projects. So uh, when it comes to clinical issues, even though our staff are medics, we, we have to refer them. Some, like quite a good portion of our beneficiaries have started the ART, the 
antiretroviral treatment. And the other uh, thing we have is uh, economic empowerment program because of the situation I told you. Once they, they deliver the baby, we have what we call the holistic postnatal care. This is, uh, to begin with, health care and food support because when these ladies uh, give birth, usually due to poor physical condition, most of them need very special uh, clinical follow-up. And they remain in bed for some time. During that time, we, we provide food support. Uh, and also supplementary food for the infants because uh, just to prevent the transmission of the virus from mother to, to, to the child, we, we uh, uh, try to encourage them to depend more on, on supplementary feeding. And uh, the, the ART, uh, as some of you may know, it, it needs proper attention and most of these uh, women who are in the program are not well educated, so they need continuous follow-up until they really develop a habit to follow up with their pills and other safety precautions uh, to make sure that the virus is not going to be transmitted from the mother to child. Uh, and we, we are so grateful to God that uh, we have 950 women in the program, and all 950 women gave birth to uh, little babies, except one, the 941 are free of HIV AIDS. It's, it's like, it's a miracle. And that one, he in fact, he passed away. He had some complicated uh, births and the rest are alive and free of the virus. But now you can imagine we have only four staff members in the project. And for your surprise, we don't have a project vehicle. So in most cases, they walk. So it's, to me, even though I studied philosophy, I believe in miracles, and this is one of the miracles that happened with a very hard work. So that's why I focus on follow-up with the ART. Had it been an educated and well-informed person, then the, the only thing is you write the prescription and you tell her that, okay, this is what you have to do every day at this time you take this pill, and every day at this time you take this one, period. And when you are done with that, come and collect the other one. But with these ladies, it's different. There are lots of myths that they know. For example, what if I, I have nothing to eat, then can I take the, the pill? What if this happens? What if it's a Lent season? What if, what if, always, always you need to follow? Again, the, the, the spiritual support, prayer, counseling, again, these are very much important. The other thing is, in order to reach at what we call transformation, the other very important point is the local ownership of the program. As I said, to begin with, linking with existing structures like church and, and, and public health uh, services are very important. The other, and in addition to that, we have what we call steering committee. This steering committee is composed of the local government administration, 
and representatives among from the beneficiaries and churches and other community-based organizations. So these people form the, the steering committee and they have a very strong say on the project. They are the ones who decide what they need and things like that. Because if, when they do so, they, they feel the belongingness and they, 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 they know that the project is not allies' project, it's the people's project. That's what we want to create in, uh, with them. And uh, the other thing is, in order for this to continue, the income generation activity or the income generation schemes. And we had this entrepreneurship training for, for them. As I told you, these are not very well-educated ladies, so you have to bring it to their level, like at a very low scale. And after, once they take the training, we help them to form solidarity groups in order to have access for public financing or seed money. In this case, in addition to uh, what is available, LA also had as a sustaining strategy, we had assigned uh, a certain amount of money for them to start s some small business. And usually what they get varies from $50 to $200. And it's, it's a big deal for these uh, uh, women. These are just very f some pictures, uh, the sanitary items and food support. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, very clear, but uh, uh, these are some of our beneficiaries when they uh, are collecting their uh, uh, supplementary food. Uh, and on, on your left, you see a group discussion or counseling session. And on the right is home visits. Uh, this is uh, common. You know, one of, one of the ladies who used to live in that shag now owns this cow and sheep. Like this amount is altogether probably amounts about $500. Now she is able to send her children to school. She has two and she is very healthy. She gets milk for her supplementary food and, and she can even rent certain amount of milk from, from the cow. And by the time I visited her, she told me that she is planning a fattening project, like to, to, to buy two oxen and, and uh, fatten them and sell them back to, to the market. This young lady was a beggar. Uh, when I, I didn't see her while she was a beggar, she told me her story. Uh, this picture, I took it just before two months or so. Uh, now, she was living on the streets, and her husband left her when he learned that she is HIV positive. She has this baby, which she was pregnant with, and she had another one, and she is very young. I think she is 20 or 21. And she was left alone at that age, just in the middle of nowhere. So the street was her home. Now she has rented a two-room a two uh, house and started her small business and selling this uh, local uh, charcoal for people and some other things, if you see down, she has some potatoes. And she has a very uh, beautiful and healthy boy. 
and you can you can see her smile and she, so are they transformed these are some of some of the the ladies in recently included into the program and all of them are courageous enough to tell to anyone that they are pregnant and they are courageous enough to tell that they are HIV positive but they are also happy and they can tell that they can live they can lead their lives some of them came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ some some didn't but they are happy they regained their self-worth they feel that they are important and they know that this is not the end of the world. And this is, this is our, our leading verse. The remaining portion of John chapter 10, verse 10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is, this is the verse which really leads us. Yeah, that was where the enemy took their dignity, their health, their confidence and everything but Jesus came to restore that and that's why whenever they ask us that's what we, we say I mean Jesus came to do this this is why we are here as well and if you, somebody asks us what did you do at least we boldly say that we told good news for 950 ladies so these ladies Almost all of them regained self-worth, like through counseling and medical provision, through prayers, and social inclusion. Now, if somebody tells her that she's pregnant, she, she's HIV positive, and she, she shouldn't be included, no, she, she, now this lady has got the courage to say that, yes, I'm pregnant woman. I know my status, but I know how to prevent it. All of them do this. And they can raise their heads up and, and respond to questions. And they are economically empowered. Out of the 950 beneficiaries, 948 of them are included in the solidarity group. And they had already got access to one or another form of monetary loan. Loan service from microfinance and from HIV, from uh, LIA uh, program. And the other thing which all of them celebrate together is their healthy children. All of them are healthy, like the 949 healthy children. It's not only for them, even for us. For, for me, as a father myself, I mean, those of you who have children here know what it means. Like, you know how you feel when, when, just when your son or daughter just calls, uh, when, when they have called, very common called. And to, to, to have HIV-free children is like, it's, it's a hope. And that's, that's a very big source of pride for these ladies. And this is what we call transformed lives. Now, they know what to do with their health. They know their status, but they also know there is medication. At least to some extent, there is an ART. And if they keep themselves careful, then they can prolong their lives. They can raise their children.
because they know that. They know that HIV AIDS is not, not going to be transmitted through, through breath. If they keep themselves very well, then they can stop it with them. Because some of the primary health education we give them is that how to have sex, safe sex with their partners, with their husbands, for those who have. And also they heard about the good news. All of them at least know that God loves them. And there are at least these people who are praying for them. People from the church, people from LA are praying for them. They know this for real. And that they regained this self-confidence. And they are financially empowered. Almost all of them. Most of them have started small business schemes. Some of them are really making a good deal of money. The last lady whom I visited, I don't have her picture here. She has saved more than $1,000. She was a beggar three years back, or two and a half years back now, because the, pro the project still has some, some five, six months to go. So this is what we call bringing hope. And lives changed, and God is glorified. This is, this is what we call transformation model. Thank you.